think it'd be funny to say something about how we actually recorded this podcast like more than two years ago. Never made it to prime time (laughs) and um it got it got buried and we both got busy and now we're coming back to try and resurrect it so it's kind of funny it would actually be hilarious to just like as fast as you can mention how how much has changed since then and i don't i'm not even talking about covid Welcome to Food Court. I'm Shale McDonald, and I'm here with Alan Sutterby. Hi, Shale. We love food and cooking, and we're here to talk about it. It, that seems like a, a, a lifetime ago. Yeah, so this is a podcast about food. Um, I think, like, how we've kind of talked about or what what we've kind of talked about doing is um for each episode um alan will bring one topic and i'll bring one topic and um the person who brought the topic can introduce it and then we'll either both have something interesting or like like a really interesting (laughs) anecdote to tell about that topic or or one of us will have an interesting anecdote about it and the other one will um hate the topic and vehemently disagree that it should be a topic on the show (laughs) um or um we neither of us will as it turns out have anything to interest interesting to say about it and then we'll have to go to bonus topics (laughs) if that's the case then we'll we'll do more planning the next time we record yeah yeah i guess I guess if that if that were to happen, we would have to consider it a failure. I suppose. At that <laughs> and, point, there would be some it. soul searching where it's like, do we should we be making a podcast? Should we really be making a podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. I mean, I truly believe that we should. Yeah, and so, um, and so I guess it follows that we're definitely going to have some interesting things to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I uh, certainly. Cool. Um, do you want to introduce your topic, Alan? Sure. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Um, okay. So we uh, were talking earlier about um, the the role that, well, like workplace injuries generally, but specifically cuts and burns play in the um, the kind of folklore of professional kitchen work. Um, their bo- cuts and burns are inevitable. I would say if you spend enough time in a kitchen at some point, you'll cut yourself, um, and burn yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's kind of like, a. I mean, it's <laughs> like not whatever it, working in a kitchen isn't like work isn't, isn't like being in the military really. But, um, that, that's kind of the way that, you know, sh- cooks and chefs swap these stories about like, uh, about their, their workplace injuries. And it's actually, it, it, Sometimes it's super annoying when people talk about it, but sometimes it's a really fun way to get to know the people you're working with um, because you hear these, uh, yeah, interesting, <laughs> they'll, they'll set it up like, so I was working at, uh, yeah, you, you get to hear about the, the restaurant that they were at and the people they're working with. And usually there's a, I don't know, it's just a fun story to hear from a, from a cook. Right. And it always, it always comes around eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so <clears throat> I guess like as far, well, firstly, 
I think it's pretty funny that we're leading off with a topic that basically has nothing to do with food, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a kitchen culture piece. It's a kitchen lifestyle yeah, yeah. piece. It, <laughs> it, it's a lifestyle piece. Yeah. It's food adjacent. Yeah. Um, yeah so when, when you uh, sort of like presented the topic to me, um, I think that part of the idea is that like, um, do you know anyone who hasn't cut or burned themselves or anyone who claims to never have cut or burned themselves. And, um, and that's sort of, to me is like a pretty funny idea. Um, because I think that like in most cases, um, anyone who I know that claims to never have cut or burned themselves is usually like a pretty young or green, green cook. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, like you can you can tell them all day long that eventually it's going to happen and you can try to prepare them for the idea that it's going to happen mm. um but you know some people don't want to believe that that's the case right. and then yeah and then when when it finally does happen it's kind of a weird um it's a weird situation to be in because <laughs> there's a little bit of there's there's like a lot of sympathy for someone who's you know possibly injured themselves and then there's a little bit of i told of, you i told so. you so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can't say like i don't think i've worked with anyone who like made a point like that was part of their posturing like oh yeah i've never i've never cut myself there's a lot of people who are like oh i haven't cut myself in five years or whatever and maybe that's true and maybe it's not but um right yeah you'd have to be pretty hot-headed to make that kind of like your um an important part of your identity that you've in, in, like a, in a, a point kitchen. of pride or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it would be pretty annoying if someone did that, but, um, but yeah, I just, I just like hearing the stories. Usually it's just like, a, I don't know. Like, do you have a, it doesn't have to be horrific, but like you have a, a worst cut or a worst burn or. Um, yeah, I have both. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Worst cut is, kind of a weird one i guess i've had several bad cuts and um you know and then the the qualitative differences between them are kind of hard to like it's hard to pick out what's the worst but yeah um, yeah yeah. well that's what makes the stories interesting i think is it's like i'm not asking for a medical doctor's opinion on which one was the worst i mean (laughs) because because it all has to do with like what was happening in the kitchen at that time and so if it's like do you know i mean like if it's during yeah late like slow prep hours it's much different than if it happens in the middle of a service for instance okay well i have i have three stories for you (laughs) okay Okay. one's a cut one's a burn and one is neither but it was still horrific okay um so i'll start with the cut one because i think it's probably well mm, it's probably the most intense one um, I was working in uh, a restaurant in BC uh, at a hotel on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. It was called the Rockwater Resort. Mm. And uh, I worked there for quite a while, I think three and a half years or something like that. Mm-hmm. That seems too long. But yeah, or maybe maybe it was only two and a half. It was, it was somewhere around mm. there. One night before service, it was super busy. We had a limited crew because it was like a hotel that was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm. It was like pretty far up the sunshine coast. And, 
um, it was pretty seasonal too. So, you know, a lot of the people that worked there, we had to hire from all over the place and pay their transportation and, and provide them with accommodations and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, the kitchen was always a little bit short staffed and, uh, one night we were getting ready for service. I was behind getting my mise en place together and, uh, I needed to, um, grate some Parmesan cheese. Mm -hmm. And so I was cutting a wheel of Parmesan cheese Yeah, and I didn't have like a proper tool like a cheese cutter or anything like that. I was just using my chef's knife mm-hmm. and sorry, a real wheel, like a, a whole wheel of Parmesan. Like, uh, no, it was a piece. Okay. It was a yeah. piece. I think it was like, it was about a, I think it was a quarter wheel. Mm-hmm. It was like, a, 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 it was like cut in half horizontally and cut in half mm-hmm. vertically. So it was like a, a half moon with one side fully of cheese exposed. And then, the, and then three sides of like, um, wax right. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was trying to cut it in half, and one thing that you should never do when you're trying to cut a piece of cheese in half or cut anything hard like that is put your hand on the tip of your knife oh, and press down with both hands. Yep. It's like <laughs> often a technique that gets used when you're in a hurry yep. because you don't have time to grab the right tool or you don't you know you just don't have time to set yourself up properly mm-hmm. and be careful. So I was trying to cut really fast, and the hand um, so my my right hand was on the the handle of the knife and my left hand was on the tip of the knife Mm -hmm. and I was pressing down with quite a bit of force and my left hand slipped off the tip of the knife. Yeah. And, um, in doing so like ran over the sharp tip of the knife. Yeah. And, and so I thought that I had cut myself really badly. Yeah. And, um, my body's reaction to thinking that I had like really, injured my hand was to pull my hand towards my body to like protect it yeah and then when i pulled my hand towards me that it like pulled straight into the tip (laughs) to the tip of my knife and then and the tip of my chef's knife went into like um the meat that's between your index finger and your thumb like that that nice little bit of yeah flesh flesh yeah yeah went straight in um about i don't know like an inch and a bit. I should, and, uh, I should have known that I would hear descriptions like this when I asked, but maybe, maybe this isn't good radio. <laughs> I'm, I'm squirming. I'm, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 but it's obviously okay, I, I want to know. I won't go in, I won't, I won't go into too many more of the gory details, but, um, it was like, <laughs> it turns out that I hadn't actually cut myself. Like when my hand slipped off the tip of my knife, yeah. it just kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. And then my reaction, pulling my hand towards me, like actually really cut me pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, but it was like um, maybe 20 minutes before service. Right. And we were really short staffed. And like it was at least a 20 minute drive to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And definitely. Um, well, I, ha- I have gotten stitches in, in some of the cuts that I've gotten in the kitchen, mm. but that was definitely one. I, I think that was one of the very first ones where I was like, oh, this cut definitely needs stitches. Right. And um, But there was just no way to make that happen. So I just bandaged it, bandaged it up as well as I could and put a c- couple gloves over mm-hmm. it and then just did service. And, then and by the time service was over, it was like, you know, it had already 
the, you know, like I just stopped bleeding and things. I would, <laughs> if I was going to bleed to death or something, right. I, I definitely um, would have gotten somebody to take me to the hospital. It wasn't that bad, but it was like, you know, partially healed by the time we were done service, <laughs> like, I don't know, six hours later or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and it had stopped bleeding. And so at that point there was no point in going to the hospital to try and get it stitched up or anything. Right. Right. So I still have a pretty good scar. From Is that right? It because, yeah. 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 I have a scar that's about uh, like three quarters of an inch long now I can see. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the bit <laughs> we can stop this conversation if we want, but the, when it's, when you're using the, say like a bandage and, and a finger cut and a glove, but it's a really bad cut and the blood starts pooling in the glove and yeah. it starts to look like a water balloon. I, I don't know if you've seen that, but yeah, well that definitely happened in that instance yeah. and I had to change the, yeah, yeah, I had to change my glove a couple times and yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. Yeah. I mean, I put a bunch of gauze inside the glove right. and stuff yeah. to try and, yeah, to try and alleviate that. But yeah, it was, a that was pretty it was a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, when you cut, I don't know, when you're in a situation where you're cutting a large, hard object now, do you, like, you have trauma from that and you immediately kind of feel it in your hand, kind of, or you think about it? Yeah, I definitely think about it every time I cut a wheel of cheese and yeah. I, every time I cut a big piece of cheese of any kind. And I really do now <laughs> try to never use that technique of putting my hand on the tip of my yeah, knife. Yeah, of course. It's just yeah. not worth it. Yeah. You know, like, so, and now I understand that, but. So that's interesting that like that accident really, it did inform the techniques that you used in the, or what, I don't know if technique is the right word, but the way that you handle your knife in the future in, in those situations, right? So like cutting a large yeah. wheel of cheese or a large hard object. Um, mm -hmm. And that's interesting because, well, like for instance, one of probably uh, from a doctor's perspective, the worst cut I ever got, I was cut, I don't even remember what, it was probably onions or something but like chopping a, a really large quantity of veg mm -hmm. and i was like as it was cut putting it into a cambro and kind of a, i can't remember but like maybe a 10 quart cambro so it's a little bit higher off the workstation uh -huh. um and after i had cut a bit i was like kind of scooping up the cut veg with the the flat side of my knife uh -huh. um oh, like yeah. pushing the veg between my knife and my hand and lifting it up uh and dumping it in the cambro does that make sense? What I just said? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then, you know, after like on the hundredth time that I was lifting the veg, um, into the cambro, the tip of the knife caught on the lip at the very top of the cambro, but my hand kept going. And so I ran my left hand across the most of the length of the knife. Right. And so it was, it was extremely, it was the deepest cut I've ever received, but like I, it was in the palm of your hand, the cut, it was along the fingers, along okay. the fingers of my left oh, okay. hand. Yeah. Um, but not, like now I, I never do that. Like I never use my, like, unless it's like a clove of garlic or something, I don't right. use. You never use your knife as a device <laughs> to transfer yeah. the. Yeah. So yeah. like instead, what I should do is like, I, I cut a pile of veg and then I bring the camera down below the workbench and I just swipe it all in. Does that make, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. In fact, I was going to ask you if <laughs> I was going to ask you why you weren't doing that in well, the first yeah, place. Because I was, I was like, an idiot. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not even it, like was this when you're was this when you were pretty green or oh probably not I don't know I, not, like not that green, not yeah. certainly not in the first two years of cooking or something um 
but yeah, it is, it's ridiculous. When, just as I'm saying it, it's ridiculous because you think of how much chopped vegetables you can transport along the flat side of your knife, <laughs> blade of a knife. versus like, you know, your forearm, like just swiping it all into like off the side of the table into a Cambro, but yeah, exactly. Like it, it, using using the the method that you were just talking about. Like you can basically fill up your entire cutting board with cut veg and then just like yeah. pop it all into the Cambro and like yeah, one or sweat. lift the cutting board over. The, like, yeah, there's a yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's many many smarter ways to do it. So yeah, live and learn. I guess is what. Did I you mean. have to get? Did you have to get stitches? No, and actually, I've never. Instance? No, I've never had stitches of stitches from a, a kitchen cut. Actually, oh, that's good. Yeah when you said maybe techniques, not the best word to describe, like how you changed your behavior to like, um, avoid injuring yourself in the future or whatever. I didn't, I like, I think that technique is a, is a good word to describe that. And I, I feel like, um, you know, like there, I have better examples of things that have actually changed my technique or, you know, like the way that I cut things, like I've had injuries that, that have changed, um, you know, what I would actually call my technique. Right. Um, you know, like when, when I was first, when I first started cooking in the first couple of years, I cut the tips of my fingers like fairly often, like quite a bit. Um, not like horribly badly and not usually, um, enough to need stitches or anything, Mm -hmm. but you know, um, like badly enough where I cut off like, you know, a, a bit of the, front of my fingernail yeah. or something and, and a little bit of the skin underneath, which is like the most annoying cut you can get. It, right. yeah. it like feels so weird while it's healing and it, it just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you curve your fingers in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like in it, it, like when I was learning how to cut, it seemed because people tell you that to curl your fingers underneath mm-hmm. and it just, it seemed like really difficult to be able to do that and still like control, use that hand to control what I was doing with the product that I was cutting. Right. And it kills your speed for the, while you're learning it, like you're slow as you're, you're too slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, and it is, it, it is like a hard technique to learn, mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to like hold on to a piece of vegetable or, or something and have your your fingernails curled under so that the knife can't catch them. Yeah. Um, but you know, after cutting myself like in that way, like three times or four times, um, I finally was like, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, and I did change my technique, and now my technique, you know, just feels totally natural. Yeah. Um, it feels totally natural to hold something and and have my fingers curled underneath, and I understand how to do it. Um, with like lots of different products, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't never say never, but I haven't cut myself in that way in a really long time. Right. You know, like on your fingertips or your nails and stuff. Yeah, on my fingertips. Yeah. You know. And it and it's much less annoying and and a lot less like severe usually if you happen to nick like your knuckle yes with the knife yeah. because you're doing that like you know it, it tends to be a lot less severe mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the besides just how awkward it feels and yeah your inability like you said to control the product with your left hand or well, if you're right handed um, the just the idea that like your left hand if you're right handed like should always be touching the side of the blade of the knife like your knuckles should be on the mm-hmm. blade more or less right and that's weird for people i think your kind of gut reaction is to keep your left hand give give it some distance from the knife but um, no yeah and it took like no one telling me that ever helped me learn it i like i had to <laughs> yeah, i had to injure myself yeah, in order to actually to maim yourself yeah 
Yeah. And, and like, not only that, but I had to maim myself like, you know, a few times and actually like, I may not even have learned that lesson after cutting myself like three or four times, except, uh, the sous chef in the kitchen that I was working in, like when I had pretty much my very first kitchen job, um, his name was Nick Braun and, uh, he, uh, like right after I cut myself one time, um, and it was, I think it was like the third time that I'd cut myself, like cut the tip of my finger. He was like, you know, like I was in pain and I was bleeding. And like the only thing that he said to me was like, uh, you need to change your technique. <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I was like kind of annoyed at, at the time. I was like, can't you see? I just cut myself. <laughs> it really sunk in like, um, you know, his, his like lack of of sympathy in that moment, I, you know, like in lieu of having greater empathy for me in the long term of <laughs> trying to, trying to guide me in a direction where I wouldn't do that to myself anymore. You know, it really made a difference. Yeah. Being really sympathetic and like giving you a little cuddle and telling you it's going to be okay. That's like giving you a fish, right? But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but he gave me a fishing rod. Yeah. And taught me how to fish. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Nick. <laughs> Um, do you want to hear some of my other stories? I have, I have time. Okay. Yeah, I have time too. So I'll tell you the burn story. I mean, like I've burned myself pretty badly, like, you know, quite a few times. Mm. Um, but usually it's just like little burns here or there, like grease splatters and things like that. Yeah. It's usually not too bad. Um, but yeah, I was, um, for a while I was, uh, working in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working at a restaurant called Fiskabar and, um, at Fiskabar, uh, the stoves are all, um, what are called target tops. Okay. A target top is like, it's kind of hard to explain, but it, it, it's like a flat top griddle kind With of concentric removable pieces, right? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, actually, uh, I think we, I think there was only one removable piece in the, in the very center. Um, so it's like, it's a large square, flat, huge, like brick of stainless steel, Mm -hmm. um, like, like a flat top griddle. And it just has one huge flame burner under the very center of it. Okay. And so, yeah, there is like a a circle that you can lift out Mm -hmm. in the very middle to light that to light that burner mm-hmm. and then you put it back on and it just goes full blast all the time. Yeah. And so, and the, the like middle of it and it's like, I don't know, a two inch thick piece of steel or something. Mm-hmm. The very center of it gets like red hot. Yeah. And then, um, as you work your way out to the edges and the corners, it's less, it's less hot. Mm-hmm. So anything that you want to cook really quickly, you put right in the center of it. And then um, to control the heat, you just move things around on the on the griddle. Right. So, um, and 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 it's kind of nice because um, you can like you can put product directly on it, yeah. like you would like with a flat top griddle. So you can put like meat and veg or whatever like directly on it in whatever sort of like heat range that you want. Yeah. But then you can also like put pots on the middle of yeah. it to boil water really quickly and and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so they're fun to use. Yeah. Um, you know, not the most fun to clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, end, at the end of the night, one night I was like, um, cleaning it and well, actually they'd been off for about an 
hour, I think. Like at the end of service, we turn them off like immediately so that they start to cool down and then eventually like we can clean them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like cleaning the wall behind uh, one of the target tops and I was standing on like there's a shelf underneath to hold pots and pans and I was standing on the shelf and mm-hmm. reaching behind the target top and wiping the wall behind it and my foot slipped off the shelf and I kind of lost my balance Yeah, and like... <laughs> As I was like trying to regain my balance, my arm, like the the inside of my forearm, mm-hmm. just like grazed it, yeah. but sort of just like grazed it like across the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like immediate shock. I there was like um, some other uh, cooks who uh, were working with me that night were like standing outside having a smoke, and there was like. Uh, like I could see them like the front of the restaurant was all glass. And so I could see them and they could see me and um, they were watching me clean. And then (laughs) they watched me slip and just like push my arm all the way across the target top. And and then like one of them just looked at me and his jaw just like dropped (laughs) open. He was like, what? So yeah, it, it like took the skin off the inside of my forearm, like pretty much immediately in a patch that was about, I don't know. Two by two inches or something like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was, that was, it was pretty bad. I had to go to the doctor. It was really late at night, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it like we were cleaning up is probably, I don't know, one, one thirty in the morning or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so there was like, I mean, I guess I could have gone to an emergency room or something, but right. I just like really bandaged it up and went home and went to bed. And then the next day I had to go see a doctor, mm-hmm. thankfully. And, Denmark, they anyone can just walk into a doctor's office right. anywhere yeah. and get medical t- medical attention. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then it, it happened to be right before my weekend too, so, so that was good because then I had two days off to recover. Convoys, and then, yeah, yeah. And so, was there a takeaway from that one? You don't stand on that shelf anymore. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the takeaway is yeah, don't be an idiot. Yeah, I guess. You know, don't stand on a, in a precarious position above a piece of equipment <laughs> that's really hot. Yeah. But like, I don't know, in that situation, I don't know, in some situations, it's sort of risk versus reward, right? Like you still have to clean that wall one way or another. Yeah. So yeah. are you going to wait until it's cold to clean the wall? I don't know. Um, maybe I would have worn long sleeves. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. I don't know. <laughs> that might have helped. <laughs> And and I guess like there's probably something better that I could have stood on that would have been more stable than mm-hmm. than standing on the shelf or whatever. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I haven't done anything like that since then, which is good. Yeah. And my third story is neither a cut nor a burn. Um, but I'm so uh, curious one night, to know what it is. <clears throat> I think I've told you this story before. I, maybe maybe you'll um, maybe you'll remember when I start telling it. Um, but. Another night when I was working uh, at the Rockwater Resort, um, the same place where I cut myself mm-hmm. trying to cut that wheel of cheese. Yeah. Oh no, actually, that's not right. It was at it was at uh, Moraine Lake Lodge. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at Moraine for one season, and um, it was in the middle of service. This one, it was really busy. Um, we were pushing really hard. The food there. Um, 
was like pretty nice. It was uh, like pretty decent fine dining. And um, there was only three of us ever on the line. And so we were like really three or maybe three, three of us on the line. And then maybe one person in the back, like working on desserts and, and, you know, prep and Mm -hmm. trying to grab us things, but Mm -hmm. it was hectic. And um, I needed to run to the walk-in to grab some mise en place. And so I ran off the line. The walk-in was, I don't know, maybe 15 feet um, from the line, like behind a wall. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went around the corner. I went into the fridge. I grabbed what I needed. I came out of the fridge. And as I was coming out of the fridge, I just like slammed the fridge door closed behind me. Mm -hmm. And when I slammed it closed, somehow like the latch of the fridge, like caught my pinky finger and the fridge like I, I closed the fridge door pretty hard so the fridge door just like slammed closed and they have this latch that's sort of like um you know like a regular door latch except it's exposed yep yeah so yeah um so there's like you know a, a little triangular piece of metal that like when you pull the handle uh, um it retracts and then um you know it, it uh can swing free of like a little metal bar that holds it in place most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I slammed it closed and, and like somehow my pinky finger got caught in the door latch. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) And it was like, and and like the space in between the door latch is not a pinky finger wide. Right. Like it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. a few mil, a few millimeters, like, you know, maybe, maybe half a centimeter. (laughs) And, um, so, my pinky finger was <laughs> caught in the door and it was extremely painful. And I, and I had this like fight or flight trapped reaction. Yeah. And so I just like tried to pull my hand out. Like, yeah, but I, I just couldn't yeah. like my pinky was just like wedged in there. There was. And so then, um, I was pretty sure that it was broken. Right. And, um, and so I started yelling for help. Yeah, I was like, "Help, help!" And um, I don't, I don't even. I think, I think maybe they heard me, but they were so busy on the line that they were like, "What the fuck is happening?" And um, so I, I tried pulling my pinky finger, and then at some point I realized I'm not going to be able to get my finger out of here unless I pull this door open, right? And unless I pull the door open. I'm just going to be here until someone else pulls the door open, right. whether that's another cook or the fire department, <laughs> right. which were like right. probably half an hour away yeah. or something. So I was just like, I have to open this door mm-hmm. regardless of what it's going to do to my finger. So I just like pulled on the, I, I put my hand on the door handle and then I pulled it like as hard as I could. Mm. And it just didn't budge. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, oh my God, what is happening? And so then I can't remember, I can't remember if I just like then just reefed on it as hard as I could or if somebody else had to come and help me reef it open. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at that point, um, either somebody, I think somebody helped me reef it open yeah. and then I got my pinky out and it wasn't broken. Oh. It was like squished. <laughs> it looked really funny. It was like super squished and it was like, you know, white where it had kind of been squeezed or whatever. Right. But yeah, it wasn't broken. It was fine. It was like painful, but whatever. Did um did 
people make fun of you for that? Not really. Yeah, surprisingly little. I think they made fun of me a little bit like that evening or whatever. Yeah. And then um, the chef, who was my friend Steve, he like gave me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> like soon after that, even though we weren't finished, like when service kind of slowed down a little bit, he like gave me a beer. Yeah. Just to sort of like say whoops. Um, but yeah, that was that was a, a traumatic one. Yeah. And there's definitely no takeaway from that. I mean, <laughs> I guess like <laughs> it was like such a freak accident. Yeah. I, you know, like I, I guess I am a little bit more careful about how I close the fridge door now, but yeah. And you know what? Okay. So you definitely had told me that story before and it was, you mm-hmm. told it to me because we worked with another chef who was put on sick leave because of a cooler door. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I do. You remember, Emmanuel had a chronic, that. uh, injury emmanuel terrio had a uh, uh-huh. chronic injury in his left hand i think because it had been caught um somehow in the cooler door at nomad not sorry not at nomad at woodwork oh that's interesting i like right yeah. i i i knew that yeah i knew that he had a hand injury but i didn't know that it had it was because it got caught in a cooler yeah door. yeah wow that's so watch out shitty yeah exactly watch out for cooler doors yeah. they're scary yeah um, do you have a burn story that you want to share? Um, like it's not particularly novel for, for me, it's just, I remember it so clearly because of the context again, it was, mm-hmm. um, so at Jack's grill after I had washed dishes there for a few months, uh, I was given a line position and it was on their appetizer station uh-huh. and it was a, I don't think this is the, I haven't really seen it set up this way in other kitchens, but at Jack's, um, for the entrees, like you had a, a grill cook and, um, a pan cook that was like your entremetier and your saucier. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would work together to put out the entrees, but then the appetizer station, it was just one person and you were working a cold table and a pan station. Okay. And so like you were doing these little composed appetizer dishes that required you to move between a pans and oven and a cold table. Gotcha. So it was a quite a, quite a busy station and the style of service there, like every, everyone who ate there got an appetizer and an entree more or less. Um, like that was the style of, of food there. Um, and it was, yeah, my first station, I was quite green and going into one of the first really busy uh, weekend services where I was running that station. And right at the beginning of service, or towards the beginning of service, it was uh, a pot handle on the pan station that was just left over an open flame mm. um, for who knows how long. And I, like, because I'm moving quickly picked up that pot and like had done it with such (laughs) rigorous intention that I had lifted it several inches off the pan before I realized that it was basically red hot. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was, it it probably was the worst burn medically that I've received, but yeah, the, the real kind of kicker was that it was at the start of a busy service on a new and intimidating station and yeah, yeah, those burns just the only way you can feel like the only way you can feel good is to have your hand in water, right? Like it's just is such an intense pain. Yeah. As soon as your hand leaves water, uh but there's nothing you can 
there's nothing i don't know you just yeah you just have to stand there and feel like your hand is burning yeah yeah basically yeah and uh, like in my experience having your hand in water to some extent just delays that inevitable maybe pain. yeah like yeah uh, like i i've felt like plenty of times like because i burned myself in a similar way in similar situations like plenty of times and like putting your hand in water like makes it feel cool for a while but as soon as you take it out yeah like that pain is still there and i i've found usually like i i will like um if i burn myself i'll usually immediately um try and <clears throat> cool down my burn mm-hmm. by like running it under cold water or finding ice or something to put on it or something as quickly as i possibly can mm-hmm. um just to get the heat out of it yeah but but like once my hand is cold like i don't think that the water really does anything anymore besides soothe your, you know, soothe the nerves that are yeah. like, you know, yelling at you for being so stupid. And yeah. so like, I usually, like I used to try to, yeah, like put my hand in cold water, but I just felt like every time I was just delaying the inevitable mm-hmm. and that, you know, eventually I was going to have to feel that pain anyway. So now I just like cool it down as quickly as possible and then just like, you know, deal Tough with the fact that it's going to hurt for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And so interesting, like to try and relate it to technique, like obviously <laughs> I should have gone in with the side towel, right? With a dry, clean side towel, right? To touch anything on, yeah. a, on a station like that. Um, and I knew that, mm-hmm. um, but I certainly became much, much more fastidious about it after that. Um, but as an interesting kind of <laughs> follow up there. So I, I've also accidentally set myself on fire, actually in that same kitchen, <laughs> in Jack's. So I was... Was, uh, I was working the entremet, so it was a primarily pans. Always had my dry side towel as my like little mini oven mitt for moving the pans around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and then when I wasn't using my side towel, it was uh, it was tucked in the apron strings behind, like behind my back, right? Yeah. But I so I moved some pans around, and the edge of my side towel must have caught an open flame and started to burn. But I didn't realize it, and so I put it behind me like tucked it into my apron strings on the small of my back and my chef coat got on fire oh my god i was working i was work like not not in like a not like in a hollywood movie sense like um like i wasn't like i didn't burst into flames but like (laughs) i was working and i was like my i had this like very strange pain in my lower back and i didn't it sounds ridiculous but i didn't immediately recognize that it was (laughs) the sensation of burning right um but i I started feeling around and it was like, like this, yeah, very bizarre sensation. And then I finally said to someone, am I, am I on fire right now? And I just had to like, I think I just backed into one of the workstations behind me and started, it's kind of like stop, drop and roll, only still standing up. Like I was, yeah, like, like, or like, what's the Baloo the bear in uh, the jungle book up against the (laughs) tree? Yeah. Like that kind of motion (laughs) until it went out. Anyways, I I didn't burn from it. Not I don't, th- it's hard. It was hard for me to see the small of my back. Um, right. But like there was a. It was in the small of your back? There was a hole burned in my chef coat. Like just like. Right. Probably not even two inches across. But mm-hmm. um, like I didn't, I, I, I certainly didn't have any pain or anything the next day. Like it wasn't. Oh, fair yeah. enough. And your chef coat wasn't like polyester and didn't like just melt to your. No, it wasn't like. Yeah, I don't know if there was a time when like chef jackets were made out of rayon or something, I would have been screwed, but yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. 
as much as it's as much as my stories like sound horrific or whatever, I feel like I've gotten off pretty light. Like yeah. I've never seriously injured myself while working in a kitchen to the extent that like, you know, I legitimately needed to like, you know, be off work. Yeah. Or no lost time. Know, incident. I, yeah. No, the only lost time incidents I've had are like things that happened to me sort of outside of work. Like, um, being rear-ended or like, you know, getting in a car accident right. or something like that. Right. And yeah. Um, but yeah, like I definitely feel like there are a lot of stories that I've heard that are way worse than the stories that I have to tell. And so I feel yes. like pretty lucky because of that. Some of my pretty close friends have had really pretty bad injuries that, you know, forced them to not be working or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, that I'm sure were super traumatic. Yeah. So yeah, I feel pretty lucky overall. My minor incidents for the most part. Okay, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> I think Horrific. so. Yeah, that's probably enough. Topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can bring it back someday and talk about some other people's horror stories that <laughs> sure. we've heard. Yeah. <laughs> or not, whatever. <laughs> if, we ever, if we ever want to feel horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I also have a topic. It may be shorter. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Um, well, for one thing, um, we're in the middle of COVID right now and it's, and COVID has like had a pretty intense effect on the restaurant industry in general. Mm -hmm. I think there's like probably a lot of like, um, I think that there's uh, probably some fodder for discussion in there somewhere, but I don't necessarily want to talk about that or the politics surrounding it mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, honestly, like my work life, um, thankfully for me, um, hasn't really changed all that much due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Like yep. obviously. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm the chef for kind ice cream and, um, obviously, uh, like it's an ice cream shop and we've had to change, um, you know, we've had to sort of like morph how we do our service to make sure that it's safe for people to come and buy ice cream there. Yep. Um, but unlike, uh, a lot of places we haven't really had to shut down the business right. at any point, um, which has been super fortunate for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've pretty much been working regularly through COVID, mm-hmm. um, but like it's, you know, affected my um, you know, the fact that people are self-isolating and the fact that I want to self-isolate so that I don't accidentally get sick and have to be off work or accidentally get someone at my job sick. Yeah. I've been trying to be like extremely careful and um, only go out and be in public when I absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like usually my cooking at home kind of goes in waves. Um, but since COVID started, I've pretty much been cooking all my meals at home all the time and you know you can get bored if you wind up doing the same thing all the time so i you know it's caused me to like try out a few new things while i've uh been doing it Mm -hmm. and uh so i just thought it would be fun to talk about like whether there are 
recipes that you've tried that you wouldn't have tried um, because you've been cooking at home because of COVID or Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like how that's sort of like affected your home cooking life and, um, you know, like whether you've gotten anything out of it or (laughs) whether you're bitter about it (laughs) or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, So for me, we've always, so like I, I live with my partner, Lisa, and we have two small children. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically since our first child, our daughter was born, and definitely since our second child, our son was born, um, we we eat at home um, all the time. We hardly ever have gone out as a family, even before COVID. Um, Yeah, like cooking, cooking is basically what our family does in the evenings and on the weekends and all that. Right. Um, and so my experience, w- uh, with COVID specifically, um, when, uh, everything came bearing down in March, the, uh, I was working at, uh, June's delicatessen. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, in hindsight, they probably could have made a go at, uh, a pretty serious takeout offering there or like a takeaway offering. Um, but they, the ownership, uh, decided they would, they would just close full out. So the entire staff was laid off. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was on, I was on layoff, uh, collecting, uh, employment insurance, uh, for basically exactly two full months, um, before the province started, uh, the relaunch and the reopen. Um, and I was recalled to work. Um, so during that time, like I don't, I don't know if you've seen or like heard mention of, uh, like they were calling it, uh, oh I can't remember now, something like COVID privilege or like I don't know quarantine privilege, where like okay. just like some people were set up um, to be able to endure that like lockdown and unemployment much better than others, obviously, right? Right. Um, and me and my family, we were actually enormously um, lucky and privileged. Um, in that my, my wife was still on maternity leave Mm. and, um, both of our kids are young enough that they hadn't started school yet. So we weren't like teaching them at school and I was on layoff collecting EI. So I, I didn't have any, as much stress about money and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it was like two months of family time more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, what, like (laughs) it. I think that a lockdown like that is very different for people who say don't have kids or had to, had to still work from home and stuff. So like, yeah, we were, we would wake up, we would make breakfast together. Then we would, <laughs> an hour later we would have snack and then an hour later we'd have lunch and then another afternoon snack and then supper. <laughs> and then by the time the dishes are done, like you're going to bed. So we did a huge, like it was crazy how much time we devoted to food and cooking. So if like normally in your normal life, if you mostly like, you know, your family activity or family hobby or whatever was cooking in the evenings, you basically just like expanded that hobby out to fill your day. Is that kind of what Kind happened? of. And actually like, so <laughs> this is, I need to, well, I'm glad we're making a recording like this because I haven't written anything down about that time yet. But even before the full closure of the restaurant, like the the few weeks before um, schools closed and stuff here. If you went to a grocery store, there like y- there was still lots of food there, but there was no there was no potatoes, there was no onions, mm. and sometimes there was no meat. Um, yeah, like I distinctly remember going to Savon and the meat, the entire meat cooler, like all of the meat coolers were empty. Um, yeah, totally. 
and, and flour. Flour. Oh, sorry. Was like yeah, and flour and yeast. Well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, the the very week that I was first laid off, um, I bought a pig from one of the a really great Alberta producer, Nature's Green Acres. I got a pig from them and cut it in my garage and wrapped and froze most of it, but like made sausages with my daughter. And um, uh, so a lot of the food and cooking that we did, especially during lockdown, it wasn't necessarily a lot of new, like, you know, wild and crazy stuff that I never would have done before. Mm -hmm. But I definitely had... Well, first of all, I I made a list of things that I want, like dishes and preparations I wanted to make while I had the time to do it or or while I had the time, especially like with my daughter and, and with the rest of my family to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of lost that intentionality in like what I like. Usually it's like get home and it's a kind of a race to get dinner on the table because bedtime routine right. has to start and all that. But um, so I did have a list um, of stuff I wanted to make. Um, it wasn't necessarily, yeah, crazy new things I had never done before, but I found myself really thinking a lot about, um, my grandparents because there were, especially then there was all these, all kinds of comparisons, um, drawn between what we were going through and either the, the 1918, uh, Spanish flu pandemic and, but also the second world war, mm-hmm. uh, and rationing and, uh, like wartime rationing and things like that. And some of that was, some of that is a reasonable comparison. Some of it's not, I think, but, um, I was thinking a lot about my grandparents and the, the, the recipes that I had inherited from them and what, what I did know of how they cooked. Mm -hmm. And so I like was very intentionally making dishes. Like there was one, like my grandma said to be, I got a recipe from her. It's called apple Johnny. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's basically white cake, but it's baked in applesauce Mm -hmm. so like i i made that and like (laughs) thought about her and um what were other ones i think i've had that cake before oh is that right yeah there's actually a a few different cakes like that in eastern canada and the maritimes like like there's pudding chômeur which is like white cake baked in maple syrup from quebec Mm -hmm. but in she was from ontario so it was applesauce but um and what was it? Yeah, they don't have maple syrup in Ontario, right? <laughs> I just mean, yeah, exactly. Well, and actually in the Maritimes, I'm sure like they, they make maple syrup in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, I think, but they have one. Actually, it's just the English translation of pudding shomer. It's like poor man's pudding or poor man's cake mm-hmm. and it's baked in molasses. Oh. Um, but it's kind of like a, a, it's like a style of cake that... I've never seen formally classified before, but I call it a drop cake because it's like you're dropping cake batter into a liquid to like you're cooking it in a liquid. Um, anyways, that's kind of a tangent. Um, and the, oh, the other one though was uh, we we made this kind of meatball. Um, like usually like a when people think of meatballs, they're thinking of like it's, it's ground meat mm-hmm. mixed with breadcrumbs and eggs, like raw meat, right? Mixed with eggs and breadcrumb and shaped into a ball and, and baked or roasted or whatever. Um, but I had learned this style of meatball where you, you, when you are making stock and you take the bones out of the finished stock and they still have little bits of meat stuck to them. Uh And that meat has like given the vast majority of its flavor and probably its nutrients to, to the broth, but you still have, it's still protein. And so you like pick all of the the meat off of these bones that have been simmered for hours and hours. And then you bind those with breadcrumbs and eggs 
um, and shape them into balls and poach them. Huh. And so like, so it's like <laughs> kind of like a dumpling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, yeah, yeah it, it is mostly the meat, but it's yeah. Bound with, with egg and, and breadcrumb. Um, yeah. and it just had like this, it, it, it wasn't a recipe from my grandma, but I could see it being in her repertoire as this kind of like, it's like a make do meatball. It's like, use what you got right. and like, make sure you use every last scrap kind of thing. Um, well, those good. Yeah. Well, I mean like, you know, you're, you're exactly right. It is like a dumpling because the, the yeah. meat has lost most of its flavor is in the broth already. Right. Um, but like if you add breadcrumbs, egg, like sauteed onion and garlic, dried herbs and season it right, right then like, yeah, it's absolutely, it's delicious, especially if you eat them with the broth, right? Like, nice. um, so anyways, that's, that's where my, that's what my, that's where my mind was at that time was like my grandparents and, and the, um, because we, we have been so like in, ridiculously fortunate and in terms of the, our access to food and information, everything. And then to be, yeah, to put in, to be put into that kind of whatever, what, it wasn't really a lockdown, but that's what people call it. Right. Yeah. To be put in that situation and yeah, to, 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 to really try and just make the most of what you have. I don't know. That's, that's what I, that's how I was going at it, but, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying before, I also feel like I was really privileged to be able to, you know, not feel like I was in danger of not having food to eat or, um, you know, not having my needs met or, and I, you know, got to keep working and, but like for me, I think it was more about like trying to keep myself from getting bored. Yeah. (laughs) Probably more than anything. Um, and I live with my sister and she, um, you know, like I cook meals for the both of us a lot of the time just because, you know, cooking for me is like second nature and it's really easy for me to just whip up a meal that, you know, um, I know we're both going to enjoy, but I started playing around quite a bit with like things that I hadn't really done before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, the thing that I, the thing that I made that made me feel the most like, um, I don't know. I don't know what the best way to describe it is, but like, um, the most like, maybe like what you're saying, like, you know, about making the most of what you have or like doing, you know, like doing something that's like, you know, still delicious and hearty, but like is inexpensive, you know, like that you could probably eat during times of austerity or whatever. Yep. Um, is, uh, have you seen parasite? No, I don't think so. No. What is that? Okay. Um, parasite is a Korean film that one like the best picture Academy award last year. Oh, really? I think. Yeah. After, in, after Argo won best picture, I stopped following the Academy awards, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, I really, I really don't put much weight into, uh, <laughs> into what wins best picture. It's just like really interesting because Cause it's, it's usually a Hollywood film exactly, that wins yeah, best yeah. picture. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, parasite is really good. Mm. Um, and really weird. Mm. Um, it's a, this will be a tangent. But whatever. <laughs> uh, it's, it's about, um, this, uh, poor working class Korean family who, um, uh, one of them gets a nannying job. Is that the first one? I think one of them, um, gets a job working for this rich family mm. And, um, 
then they start sort of like trying to manipulate the situation with this rich family to like bring more and more of their family members into like employment with okay. this rich family. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's a really interesting movie. Like it, the beginning of it is sort of almost like a heist. Like they're, you know, they get together and they plan how they're going to like, you know, trick this family into hiring them all. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's just, it's really uh, like, um, anxiety inducing yeah. because they're always on the verge of getting caught. And I don't know, it's just, it's really is it, interesting. Is it entirely dramatic? Like it sounds like it could be a comedy or no? It's like a dark comedy, yeah? I would okay. say. Yeah. Like a black comedy. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's really funny, but it's also like pretty heart wrenching in places as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great movie. Um, but there's like a scene where, um, the rich family comes home and one of their kids wants to eat Ramdon, which is like, uh, I don't know if it was like actually a dish before the movie or if it's like a dish that one of the writers made, but Mm -hmm. it's like two kinds of instant ramen. Okay. Prepared in like a way so that it's not brothy, but saucy. Okay. And then like two kinds of Korean instant ramen. So one's called chapagetti. Mm-hmm. And I think chapagetti is supposed to be um, prepared like saucy, not brothy. Okay. And then you use an additional pack of noodles and seasoning from, um, I think it's called nioguri. Okay. Which is like a like a seafood, spicy seafood ramen. Okay. And you, you prepare these two types of instant ramen. And then uh, you basically, um, it's basically that with cubes of beef. Okay. Um, cubes of steak. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw the movie, I was like, that seems like a really weird dish. And it, But they kind of make a big deal about it in the movie. So I like looked it up and figured out what it was. And I never tried it. Um, but then uh, one, of the, one of the owners of the ice cream shop um, was like asking me about it and mentioning it to oh, me really? and said that she prepared it. And it was really good. And yeah. she was like really into mm-hmm. it. So at one point I went on a hunt for uh, all the right types of ramen. And (laughs) And were they easy to procure? Uh, Yeah, Yeah. relatively. Um, I think they have them at, I think they have them both at Superstore, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't even have to go to an Asian grocery store. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go to the grocery store. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Actually, (laughs) another, another side tangent, um, is that, uh, like in the first few weeks of, um, lockdown, I started doing, uh, grocery shopping for my parents because Mm -hmm. it's just like way less risky for me to go to the grocery store than it is for them to Mm go. Um, so I've been doing like a weekly grocery trip for them, um, and uh, so I'd been going to Superstore and experiencing, like, the things that you were talking about where there's, like, yeah, no meat and a bunch of, you know, like, staple veg. It's, like, really hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every time they would send me to the store, like, I was texting them a list of things that they were just out of yep. and, like, looking for replacements or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, during that first few weeks, um, I needed to go to TNT Market, which is, like, an Asian grocery store. Um, there's one on the South side. I had to go there to pick up some stuff, um, for work. Mm -hmm. And, um, the experience of going to the TNT market was like amazing. 
How do you mean? Um, like they had like at that time, things things have shifted a little bit now, and like I think you know um, the regular grocery stores, uh, you know, ha- have like some better measures and stuff like that. But I think this is like sort of even before everyone was required to wear a mask in indoor spaces, mm-hmm. and so like I would go to superstore and I would be masked because I was trying to protect myself and not get sick for work. Mm -hmm. Um, But there would be tons of people in the store who weren't masked or whatever. And it just felt a little bit dangerous every time I went to the grocery store. Uh, But when I went to TNT, like um, there was someone monitoring, there was, there was a lineup outside. It was summer. So that's, you know, sort of a different situation, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there was a lineup outside. There was a person monitoring the lineup, like walking up and down the lineup, making sure that, you know, people were keeping distance in the line. When you got to the door, they made sure that you had a mask. If you didn't have a mask, they would give you a mask. Mm-hmm. They were taking people's temperature oh, really? at the door. Yeah, yeah. And then you go in the grocery store, and there's only a certain amount of people allowed in at a time. So it was like relatively uncrowded, and everyone was masked. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, everyone was being careful. And I just like felt so much safer in there than I did trying to go to like, you know my regular yeah. grocery yeah, stores yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But you made the dish. So anyways, you made the Ramdan. I made the dish. Yeah. Ramdan. Ramdan. It's, I mean, <laughs> delicious in its own way. Okay. <laughs> it is definitely delicious. Um, it feels like kind of funny eating it because it's like you're, it's like the ultimate, like trying to fancy up your ramen. Yeah. Like, you know, normally if I make instant ramen, I do something to try and fancy it up. Like I'll, like most people put an egg in it or, you know, put some, chop some vegetables and put them in or whatever. But this is like, you know, steak and instant ramen is like a really interesting thing. Anyways, delicious. Definitely give a Ramdon a try. (laughs) If you're, if you're bored, if you're bored of your, uh, of your whole pig. um, Yeah. Did, um, if this is an unnecessary, this is an unnecessary tangent, but I'm just going to ask anyways. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up eating um, instant ramen uncooked? Uh, not exactly. I didn't eat it uncooked a lot. I had friends who ate it uncooked a fair amount, mm-hmm. like, and I definitely tried it a few times. Like I had friends who brought it, like that was their lunch, or I don't know, their, that was their, their lunch. recess snack, or possibly even their lunch at school. Yeah, I had friends who like ate it every day as like an after school snack. Yeah. They would like take the ramen noodles out of the package and sprinkle the sprinkle the like flavor packet over top of the dry ramen noodles yeah. and just like crunch it down like it was a bag of potato chips. Yeah. 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 I didn't really ever do that, but I was definitely aware of okay. it. Okay. It seemed to me very weird at first, but then I don't then know. Then you tried it and you were converted. Yeah, I was like, it's fine. I it wasn't like something where I was like, oh my god, I have to eat this all the time now. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in love with it. But yeah, it's definitely a fine way to eat ramen noodles. I <laughs> I heard like I heard some like urban legends that people got worms from eating <laughs> raw instant ramen, okay. which seems really weird to me because, I mean, firstly, raw instant ramen is definitely not exactly, raw. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I heard that. I think my parents told me that or something, but I, I don't know if I definitely believe it or Sounds not. like a xenophobic myth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, I think. Yeah. It was, sorry, it is, we had ramen at, like I made ramen last week with my family and 
mm-hmm. it was a conversation between Lisa and I that like, cause that was, I think that she ate it all, certainly in university, she ate it almost daily. Um, but it wasn't like dry yeah, or dried. Yeah. Um, oh. and, but it wasn't something. And she didn't get worms. Not that I know of. No. See, well, so yeah. And I, yeah, again, I, I was aware of it growing up, but it just was not something my mom ever would have purchased. Like it wasn't something that you had around the house. Yeah. 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 I think we usually had a few packs of it. Right? Like yeah. we didn't, we didn't eat it a lot. Um, but yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't, definitely wasn't weird for us to have it. Like mm. I think probably, I don't know. It's so hard to remember like how often you had certain meals when you're a kid. Yeah. That's something you can cut this off if it's getting way too off topic, but that's something like <laughs> I often think about like, um, like just being, if, if I could have a, just a list of what supper was mm-hmm. every night when I grew up and when my mom grew up and when my grandma grew up, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that information is just, it's lost. It's, it's just in the wind and we'll never really know. It would be, it would, I know. but it would be so interesting and important for, for me to know it. Um, and so like, sometimes I will make lists of stuff that we make regularly at home. But then of course, like my kids won't, I don't know, like it, right. it's just a very niche interest, <laughs> but I, I find it fascinating because I know that like the way that my family eats versus the way I ate growing up versus how my mom ate growing up is just like wildly different, very different. wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you guys like have a weekly meal plan kind of thing? Yeah, more or less like it's we've got a whiteboard and I like we did it tonight. We're like, okay, like the at least the next five nights, like what do we want to eat? And it's it's just a way to like make sure we use up what we already have and if we're going grocery shopping, like what do we need to get? Um and if you know what you're making, then you're not buying stuff you don't need and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you should take a picture of that whiteboard every week and then Yeah. Yeah, like that that like even for people who don't intentionally record what they're eating now, I feel like there's so much. Oh, Instagram does it, I guess. Eh? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Like it, you know, you at least for me, I know that like I have Instagram posts about every fancy meal I wind up having. Right. Like I don't, I don't post like I should have posted Ramdon on Instagram <laughs> when I made it, but but I didn't. But, but yeah, like I, I think a lot of people probably do have that record now. <laughs> that will be, but then it, that will be like, that'll be too much information for future generations to really understand. Cause like, it's like that there's a Norm Macdonald bit about how a uh, hundred years ago, every, every dude had only one photo of himself. You know what I mean? Like his, his great grandmother, there's like one photo of him. Um, but in the future we'll be like, Hey, do you want 10,000 pictures of my great grandpa? Like, no, nobody wants that. Obviously. Um, <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. And obviously like that's, yeah, one of our <laughs> modern dilemmas, yeah. but I do also think, uh, this is, this is way off on a weird tangent, but like, I do also think that like all of that information at some point will be digestible by like robots robots that are there to help us figure out what, how much of it is actually important right. or like to, to, to like analyze it in some way so that you can actually pull out like somewhat important information right. about yourself yeah. and, and that kind of thing. At least that's what I have my fingers crossed <laughs> for because yeah, I have so many photos and I never look at any of them, oh, really? you yeah. know, like, yeah, like rarely, I guess now, you know, um, like phones are starting to do this thing where they like 
you know, take a bunch of your photos from like a day that, you know, like three years ago and like show you a little collage of them and and that kind of stuff. And so so sometimes I I like look at those things, but yeah, like I rarely go through my old photos, even though I have some that I would love to look at, like, you know, of meals or trips or whatever. That's interesting because you, we spend so much, we take so many more photos than would have been Mm -hmm. taken 30 years ago, but look at them less. (laughs) And not yeah, well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a special case, maybe too. Like, I don't. That's for I don't sure. Know, like, Just kidding. <laughs> I uh, like. I don't have a very sensitive nostalgia button. Okay. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people do go through their photos, but for me, it's just like I don't know. It never occurs to me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a quick thought. That it, okay. you could make a, a food court drinking game, and one of them would be every time someone says, this is kind of a tangent, uh, you take a drink. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm sure there will be plenty more, um, you know, I'm sure there will be plenty more, like, weird things that we say all the time that will be <laughs> perfect for a drinking yeah. game. Okay, I'll start a list. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, maybe listeners can start a list and then... I'll start a list. Post. <laughs> I mean, you start a list for now, and then we can we can merge it with the listener list oh, okay. once there are listeners, oh, okay. and then uh, once they once they post those things on our Twitter to make fun of us. Or whatever. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Well, we'll call that a warm up episode. Sure. And um, yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, it was fun to chat with you and talk about kitchen life. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when we're slapping a few episodes together to do like a release, maybe this episode won't be the first one we put out. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, does it look like your Skype call recorder is still recording? Everything seems <laughs> fine there. Oh, shit. Thanks for listening to Food Court, a podcast recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Food Court is hosted by Alan Sutterby and Shale McDonald. Theme music by Ryan and Shale McDonald. Make sure to subscribe to Food Court in your favorite podcast app. Check us out on the web at foodcourt.fm and follow us on Instagram at foodcourtpodcast. If you want to help spread the word, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'll be back with a fresh new episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening.